Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Is, is this really the, the time to really be reciting a Kanye West? Just like if it sounds generally even. All right. <clears throat> this is the Talking Tech with Podcast. My name is Daniel. What's going on? It's a main man here, Double H, man. We're now going to talk about flipping God of Honors. God of Honors. People's staff now give themselves God of Honors. We live in a weird world. Got to think about the three smacks. Do you remember what happened last year with John Terry, where he just came on just to get one and then left? John Terry um, is an ad- adulterer who sleeps with people's wives. So what else is new? I mean, it, that's is it, isn't Ryan Giggs worse? Giggs is be, that's when you've just gone beyond what is actually even that, that, that that's that's a whole other stratosphere bro yes uh we do this podcast every tuesday if you could follow us on twitter soundcloud facebook instagram all the talking tactics that would be dope if, share the podcast if, if you like the podcast please share it word of mouth is like one of the most important things to help us grow the podcast in that way so please share the podcast on your twitter on your facebook wherever you are on social media that would be great if you listen on an Apple device, you could always leave us a five-star review. If, it, if it's five stars, we'll read it on the show. This week, we did get one. It says, thank you for your podcast from a guy called John B. Don't listen to what people say. They nah, don't bro. know about, about you and me. You don't know that one? Mm-mm. He's the R&B singer that looks like Clay Thompson. His name's John B. Oh, okay, okay. No, yeah. I mean, I, I've heard of the R&B singer that looks like Clay Thompson, but no, I don't. I don't I'm, yeah, that's I'm not him. So I, I don't know if this is this guy, but, you know. He says, thank you for your podcast. Hi, guys. I just wanted to thank you for your podcast. I've been a listener for a few months now. This isn't the R&B singer who sent us this review. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying. His name oh, okay. says John B. So maybe this is the John B of they don't know. Okay. Maybe possibly. Okay. Uh, Making waves. I've been a listener for a few months now. And it's really helped me get through some tough times in life. The chemistry you guys have is great, and I feel part of the show. I love the Hope Carl debates. Carl's not here. He's on a how, – how would we describe this? Carl is on a mission that we can't disclose. It's really mm. cool, and I feel like that's as much as I can say without perhaps getting – Got to keep it hush, hush. Got to keep it fired. Do we want Carl homeless? Is that the end game of this podcast? I don't think so. Well, uh, hom- homelessness breeds um, strong characters, so – <laughs> no, it does not. Well, maybe it does. Who knows? Uh, I love the Hope Call debates and Danny T keeping things light. Thank you. I wish you guys much success moving forward. And thanks for being there every week when not many people are. That's one of the saddest lines I think I've ever read. Like, <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. When not many people are. Like, P.S. Zidane is better than Iniesta. So. Thank you. No, 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 but look, man, it, it shows the power of this, of this podcast, man, is that, look, man, which is what I, I say to you, I'll, I'll keep it real. I still do not know how on earth what we, we do could help anyone possibly. Because <laughs> all I do is pretty much insult most of our players, say stuff that people rip me for, and try and basically bully Carlos. Uh, so that's pretty much what I pretty much, so I don't know how that's helped. But if it does, fair enough, just that, in my view, I don't know what's 
I do could have possibly helped any anybody, man. I'm just I'm just a dude from the streets who talks about about, about football, man. Nothing more, nothing less. So, but we kind of had this conversation like in the in the group chat. Like, you don't think you're have you you don't think the have hope football that helps people. It it does. It must. No, no, but the thing is, I have no. If it does not, it's great. But when I'm doing it for me, you have to realize when I'm just like I'm just turn on the camera and I just say what I say about football and that's it. <laughs> so. I'm not thinking about. I'm just thinking. Look, I just talk about football because I enjoy. It. So I'm not even thinking about. Wow, what I do is I'm I'm a Samaritan helping the poor. Like no, like I just talk about football. So, so. yeah, I mean, like we just we, we do this because we like to talk about football, basically. And I guess it's, uh, hundreds of people will listen to us do it. Like I I, I do it because I like the the banter between you two. I like talking to you guys. It's not necessarily like save the world or anything like that. But you know, if we can help people. You know, I'm glad we can be of service in some way. I would like some cash, though. Now, actually, let's let's kick this off with a question from Boris Mason. With the Don Arsene Wenger in his last week of managing Arsenal, should his legacy really be tainted by what's happened in recent years? And Robert Lando asks, how about a Wenger retrospective? You know, last week or maybe the week before when it was announced that uh, – Arsene Wenger was leaving Arsenal. You weren't here on 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 the podcast with us, man. You, oh, yeah, you, you yeah, missed. yeah, I was. I was um, hustling. I was hustling. And over the course of the of the last, you know, fortnight, if I can call it that, you know, people have been kind of warming up to the idea that Arsene Wenger isn't going to be around anymore. And you know, it was the last game at basically the stadium that he built, and they won five nil, a very pleasing result. It was very. I, I was worried that they would do an Arsenal and kind of lose. One no, that's it. That's what I've been messed up. So basically, you, you're gonna bring like Kano is gonna fly all the way to Nigeria. You're gonna build all of that stuff, and he gets beat by Burnley like three <laughs> one. That would have been messed up. Yeah, I mean, it, it would have been very Arsenal for them to lose the game, but they didn't. They won five nil. Your boy will be played well. Uh, Lacazette and Aubameyang got on the score sheets. Like they they played well, and then after the game, Wenger goes into the on the pitch and they kind of give him they gave him the invincible golden trophy did you see that yeah yeah, yeah. I was, I was, yeah. so that's because i was supposed to say like what the hell was that was he holding was that like a commemorative thing or something no or? i think you, every other premier league trophy is silver with the gold crown as we saw manchester mm. city get but arsenal got the golden trophy because they went invincible but they gave arsene wenger the trophy mm. i find that actually like outrageous Yes, Arsene Wenger was manager while they got the trophy, but that trophy still, in essence, belongs to Arsenal Football Club. Like this man isn't bigger than the club. Like how is he getting the actual golden trophy? Look, let's okay. I agree with a stand should be named after him one hundred percent. He should have a statue ten thousand percent. Oh no, no, yeah, statue a stand. There should be an Arsene Wenger stand one hundred percent. But to name the stadium after him. Bro, <laughs> Game, come on, come on, please. Um, no, 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 but no, look, I mean, that was weird though, because even looking at the um, at the um, him giving the speech and everything, like it is surreal. Pretty much almost ever since I've been watching football, Wenger has been like, I sort of remember when he came because, like, I really began watching football at 92, 93, 94 was when I began. So, See? like, 95, 96 was, was when we, we used to be getting stuff in Nigeria from the Premier League. So, yeah, like. From me, he's, he's always been around. I just think guys need to be real because I think everybody is getting on Claude's back. That Claude, how can you be so cold hearted? What did Claude appreciate- say? I haven't watched the uh, Arsenal fan TV yet. So. Well, no, basically, he's been the only one saying that, like, look, let's stop with all this. We're going to miss you, Venga. You're so great. And I get, I sort of get where Claude is coming from. It's like, I mean, maybe you should be like a bit more commemorative, but at the same time, guys, look to the future, man. Like, at the end of the day, this dude is getting paid millions. Like, Claude, Claude made, made a very good point. What is sad is seeing a homeless guy without anything anything to eat hustling each day. What isn't sad is a dude getting paid millions who has lost his job. I'm sorry. I don't feel sympathy or shed a tear for somebody who's been earning millions each year losing his job. Sorry, I can't. Still, Wenger, what Wenger did is... I, mean, and I say this again and again and again. He has bricked it for the last few years. But my doing that invincible season... That's a start. That is an amazing start. 49 games unbeaten, entire season unbeaten. No other Premier League team has done, done that. Man City, I do believe one of the best teams ever in the Premier League haven't done, were not able to do that. It's an amazing feat, man. So there, There is room for sentimentality in that he lasted so long. 
and you can't last that long without doing some good, you know? Um, mm. However, like when most, if you want to say kings, rulers, dictators, whatever, when they rule for too long, by the end of their reign, people are sick of it and they want them to leave. Like, But then after time, you'll see like absence makes the heart grow fonder, you know? Mm. And, yeah. uh, you know, a year from now, two years from now, especially if the if the new manager comes in and they're like still sixth, uh, you're gonna look at what Arsene Wenger did, and you and I think most Arsenal fans will probably be like, yeah, he that was a good spell for us, and he was what he did was incredible. Yeah, I just I was his speech was good. The, the sound guy was messing up where they had to change microphones oh, yeah, yeah. and stuff <laughs> like that. But um, yeah, I I I, I felt it's. I guess being a Chelsea fan kind of clouds my judgment here because I don't have an attachment to Arsene Wenger in that way. But I do see the room for a sentimentality in that he was there for 22 years. He revolutionized the game when he first got there. He brought a flair to the Premier League. He brought arguably the greatest player that's ever played in Thierry Henry. He was, as most people say, he was a classy guy. He's kind of like the grandfather of the Premier League, if you will, or the father of the Premier League in that way. I guess you could argue if it's uh, Wenger Ferguson in that way. But it is going to be strange seeing a new person on the touchline and press conferences and things like that. But when you're sixth two years in a row and uh, you're not going to get Champions League by Europa League, you know, it's it's time. It was it was been time. Um, it would have been nice if he left after the FA Cups. You know, you leave on a high we beat Chelsea, we beat Hull, we beat Gula, like whomever. That would have been nice. He clinged on so much, man. That was the time to go. Yeah, and that I was worried in that sense. I think I even tweeted this out that I was worried he would leave or that he wouldn't leave before it was too late. You know? <laughs> like I was worried that, you know, you'd wake up and you'd read, you know, Arsene Wenger has passed away at 73 while he was still there. I'm like, Jesus, man. So it's, it's good that he left and, you know... <laughs> Kanye West has a line, you know, uh, if you love somebody, you should go ahead tell them. People never get the flowers why they can still smell them. I was happy that uh, he got it. Is, is, is this really the, the time to really be reciting a Kanye West? That's kind of why I giggled. Because <laughs> I don't know if I want to say Kanye West lines at this point, because I'm, I'm I'm not through with Kanye, but I'm, I'm close to through. But yeah. Um, I was happy to see that Wenger got his flowers while he could still smell them. You know, it was it was cool seeing him get that love. But speaking of someone who's who's getting love, I guess from the football community, you know, we we kind of talk about how managers have cycles. You know, like uh, Guardiola's only been at Barcelona for four or five mm-hmm. years, and he goes to Bayern. He's there for three. Um, it's expected that he's not going to be at City for too too long. Um, because, you know, the stress of being a manager can kind of weigh on you. And then people are like, you know, Wenger leaves, and this is he's, he's the last of just these long-reigning managers that kind of take care of everything. And the, the last one before that was, was Ferguson, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the news came out that, uh, you know, he had there was something wrong, that he was rushed to the hospital, that he was seriously ill. And it, it's, it says something about the climate and the time that we're in. That I read those tweets and I'm like, is this fake? Like, I is this real? Like, I I don't believe it. You know, yeah. it's just a weird time that you know you, you can't believe what you read, especially on Twitter. But you know, it, more news outlets started reporting and sources that generally people trust was like, nah, this is real. Ferguson is definitely in hospital, and it just goes to my to the thinking that you know, I guess my mind was in at the time with Wenger being in charge for 22 years, like. Do you think being in charge of a big club can like deteriorate your health in a way to where a uh, see for me like I don't, or or is it just you know coincidence and this is just you know his health and it's no no for me I I really believe it's just a health thing because he didn't look like a guy that was under stress like see if Guardiola this <laughs> happened to Guardiola it would make sense because Guardiola the way he manages and coaches it looks stressful like he had to take a break because he said it was too stressful for him mm-hmm. because he micromanages so much. And he's so active that it will drive you crazy. And even said, so, "Look, my being coach at Barcelona is was has had sleepless nights. Like it was, it was an, a whole hands-on job. But look at the way Ferguson did it. I think as he grew older, he was able to sit more on the bench and really go on the torture and everything because he had, they had everything planned out. So I don't really think he was a, a manager who really was like bam bam. I need my heart to be racing for it to really be coaching well. Um, so no, I, I just think it's just like wow. So obviously." 
because we don't know what his health history is, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and Marsas won't prove everything, so maybe it's just a thing where this is just a, a health thing, and this is just something that has just happened. So you know, I just hope that he he he, he pulls through. But the weird thing though is that people, the way people are commenting about this is like if he's already dead. The articles I'm seeing is as if he's dead, and it's like guys. He's just in the hospital. You can't be saying all this stuff about <laughs> how amazing he's when it's like he's yeah he's crit he's still critical but he's still alive. So yeah, like I I just found a way like how how people are just already writing obituaries for him already. It's like damn. I I think this happens in some newsrooms where and I didn't major in journalism so I could be talking out of my you know what hole here. But Your ass. <laughs> yes, Apple. I think there are people who it's their job to kind of write obits beforehand. So basically Morgan, there, there's someone out there who wrote, who has already written like the Morgan Freeman obituary that the newspaper will post, or there's someone who's written the Michael Jordan obit somewhere, even though that, even though these people aren't dead, it's kind of your job or people assign you, yo, you need to write this, you need to write that. Or it's just like a famous person. If a famous person passes away, we already have this ready to go, like a story about their life, et cetera, et cetera. I wonder if people were ready to click the button on that. And then they had to like kind of pull it back because, oh, he he's not gravely ill to where he's going to die in the next five minutes. I don't know. I don't know how that happens in newsrooms, I guess. We'd have to ask someone. No, 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 but, but, still, time, but that's just messed up. So basically, you're so keen to get eyes on whatever your article it is. You're already way, putting out these in a way, results. or or like if someone passes away and it's like not the the best time to get it in the newspaper, or mm. like the newspaper needs to be printed in ten minutes, and this person just passed away like twenty minutes ago. Do you have enough time to write this whole thing, or would you rather just have something pre-written? But I guess from talking tactics, if I can speak for the group, like I, we hope Sir Alex Ferguson the best, and we hope you know we see you again. No, 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 for sure, man. Look, man. Hopefully, it's he pulls through, man. Because as I was saying to my brother, man, like this is a big name. <laughs> like Ferguson, like this. He's the is greatest like... manager in the history of of football, at least. No, 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 no. English football. No, don't no, forget about English football. An argument can be made that he's one of the greatest managers of all time. Like you can make that argument as far as. If you're gonna say who is one of the greatest managers of all time, you can you can say him. This is a big name because my 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 brother obviously not now, but he used to be like a huge United fan when he used to like football, and he's into the middle. Nah, man, Ferguson is like this is this is it. This is the guy as far as management goes. This is like the bible of management. So it's like you know, um, it's 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 a big name, man. It's a big name. And you know, I I agree with everything Half Hope said. Um, just just staying on on United. Do we want to talk about Martial versus Mourinho? Martial has to leave. It's over. He would be crazy to say because I I, I read something about, oh, he's not going to play centrally next. It's not working. And look, Uncle Mu works well with older players that have a big personality. Younger players is not what Mourinho works well with. And Martial, who is young, skillful. That is just not the kind of guy that Mourinho wants. Mourinho wants a guy who is older and listens to tactics and is a very tactical kind of guy. And I just think, look, how long can you keep playing a dude out of position? Like, it looks stupid. Every time I see Martial out on the left, it looks stupid. I'm like, this doesn't work. It works for Edso because Edso was an older player who was more experienced. So he had the discipline to know how to play that right wing for Inter Milan. But for Martial, the dude is 22... You cannot play a twenty-two-year-old out of out of position. You cannot ask a twenty-two-year-old to learn a, a, a new a new position. No. Sometimes you can, but you have to look at them in the new position for a new game. So then decide whether you can keep on going. It has been like almost a season. Marshall has been crap out left. Maybe one or two games will do something, but it just it just doesn't look. He he looks awkward. He does not look comfortable out there. And Marshall has literally the worst poker face of all time. It's like. Every time you see him, you know exactly what he's thinking. And Marshall is like, man, F this dude, man. So There's just something about his face where he's just like, look, I'm not enjoying my time here. This guy's annoying me. I would rather leave. I, it's just I don't care, you know? Mm. <laughs> it's just I've, I've reached a point where I don't care. Even when he's happy, you just it's like, all right, yeah, all right. Put it this way. Imagine, imagine Marshall as, as Chelsea striker. I'd take it. Um. You you damn right you will. So, <laughs> I mean, I was thinking like if the options were Giroud and Morata, 
Yeah, I take it. I take it. And obviously, like I think, as as you say, Mourinho likes experienced players. I think Willian plus cash for Martial could be a deal that happens, especially considering last year uh, Chelsea sold Matic mm. for forty million. So it, you know those links are there. Mourinho is tricky in this way, where he will make the supporters of the club feel as if this is the right decision to make. What happens is he'll play the player, maybe out of position, as you say, or just maybe in a, in a moment where it's it's a difficult time to just come in and play well. The player will play poorly, as one might expect if they're played out of position or rarely, and then they're just sprung in the team. And then he'll use other players in the squad that are playing well as a way to demonize the player who's played badly, who he probably wants to get rid of. So in this case, what Jose Mourinho is doing is using the form and the the kind of weight of Lukaku as an example to show that Marcus Rashford and, and Anthony Martial aren't playing well. And what this is, it's an attempt to kind of poison the minds, if you will, of Manchester United fans to be like, look, if we could get money and a player for Martial, he's not playing well, the manager doesn't like him, so we might as well sell him. It's kind of what happened with, I, I, I would point out Kevin De Bruyne at Chelsea where you know, there was just these little rumors and inklings that Jose Mourinho wasn't happy with, with Kevin De Bruyne's attitude in training. And then he threw out, you know, you see how Willian does, you see how Sherla does, you see how Hazard does. And he kind of poisoned the water. And I'll be, and I'll, I'll admit to it, I kind of took the bait in that instance. And, uh, you know, it's just something Mourinho does in his teams. And I would kind of caution Manchester United fans, maybe, you know, they're smarter than I was at the time, so you wouldn't need the kind of caution. But, uh, yeah, don't let Mourinho trick you into thinking selling Anthony Martial is a good idea, especially when you consider that the lifespan of Jose Mourinho is at best four years, and Martial's 22, so he could play for another decade Mm -hmm. at a top level. Don't trade 10 years of a world-class player for the next two years of a manager who most people would consider is in his decline. That's all I'm saying. Easy, 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 easy. <laughs> it's facts, man. 100%. It'd be stupid to to, to, to sell my Marshall, but I just think as long as Mourinho is around, it's not going to work. And I think if I'm Marshall, I've got to get the hell out of it. But let's look at the World Cup. If Marshall has a big World Cup, 100% he's going to push for, he's got to push for a move. Let's kind of get this question out of the way. It's kind of a like he sprung this one on us. This is MF Bane 301. Which relatively unknown young players will shine at this World Cup? I believe if Germany take Brandt, I think he could shine. Timavena and Brandt, I think, could really shine for them. I think Brazil could could have if a few young guys like a shine. I mean, uh maybe Latoro Martinez for Argentina, somebody like that, where the, he he plays in Argentina. Nobody really knows about him except people who are in Argentina it's, it's, or maybe like scouts or, or things like that. Again, how many of those unknown, unknown local guys are going to be even in the first team? And tell me a World Cup where a completely unknown guy shone. As a guy that was, that was a young... The last time I... Last one was probably Grosso. Grosso is the last player who was completely pretty much unknown who, who shone at a World Cup BB before then. I can't remember the last time I completely unknown player shone. Hamas in uh, 2014. Did people really know about Hamas? Eh, okay, yeah, possibly, yeah. yeah okay, I'll, I'll say that. okay, yeah. Fair enough. Okay, Hamas and Grosso. Suarez in 2010, maybe. Nah, nah. Forland was yeah, the yeah, one who yeah, carried Europe. Was, was the guy? Forland was the guy. Just Suarez with move versus Ghana. <sighs> Look, do, do you know? As much as I, as I as I hate him, I defend that move. That that was a great. I would have done the same thing. He put his country before himself. Because by doing that, he got sent and off. He, he he didn't play in the semi-final, but you give your country at least a chance. And it, and it turned out to be a genius move. So for, for, for me, it was a great move. For, for your country, it was a great move. Oh, we have two questions here about Darren Moore. All right. Mm. Um, if West Brom, this is from Pac Mouse, if West Brom somehow pull off a miracle and stay They can't. Up, they can't. It's impossible. It's impossible. They it's can't. not impossible. It's it, very it's, unlikely. It's, if, if West Brom somehow pull off a miracle which this would be, and stay up. Will Darren Moore have outdone Dice for second best manager of the year? And Patrick Maduda asks, if Darren Moore doesn't get the job, will the Rooney rule mean nothing? Does he outdo Dice? I mean, that's a tough one because, no, no, that's the thing. You still have to give a dude credit for what he's done for an entire season. I think mm. 
for Darmore, I just think it's an amazing feat in and of itself, like in a vacuum. I mean, I, I still feel like if Sean Dyche should, should, should get managers of the year based on what he, he's done for Burnley, seventh, and they and they play in my backyard, come on, crazy. And if even if he doesn't get the role, I will be shocked if Darren Moore does not find a full-time job next season. Because I think he's already shown in these last few games that maybe this, maybe he has something. Maybe there's some management skill, man management skill that he has, as in to be able to motivate a bunch of losers who what <laughs> did not win a game in, in in seventeen matches to motivate these flipping sideshow losers rejects to flipping beat United, draw with Liverpool, beats um, flipping Tottenham. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. So, all right. So the the Rooney Rule wouldn't be useless. Okay. So the Rooney Rule is basically this: if there is a head coaching position available in your search for your manager or your next head coach, you have to interview one person of color. That's the rule. It doesn't mean you have to hire them. It doesn't mean like you know you got to hire you know, or you have to interview ten thousand or two. You just have to make sure one of the candidates that's in your pool of applicants is a person of color. Darren Moore, what he's doing is, say he doesn't get the West Brom job, and say they go and they hire just one of the usuals, like Pulis or somebody. Obviously, they're going to go to the championship, so maybe that won't happen, but they just pick up somebody, right? That's not Darren Moore. What Darren Moore is doing is showing that he deserves to be in the pool of applicants for one of the next open positions that come in League One, League Two, the Championship, the Premier League, wherever. What what he's doing is proving that this is somebody who we should interview and at least have a discussion with him about, you know, what is your idea on football? How do you see football in that way? Like, just get him in the door and see what he's really made of. I, I think this is all, you know, I think Black people and just people of color really ask for just the opportunity to show that we can do it. Just just give me a chance. Give me an opportunity. You know, Alan Pardew messed up so bad <laughs> that, that they threw it to this guy and just like, you know what, we're going to get relegated. I remember when he got hired. You know, we were calling it a setup because <laughs> we were like, look, they got Liverpool, they got Manchester United, they have Tottenham. Like, they're definitely going to get relegated, but they're going to get relegated in embarrassing fashion. And it's made it to where Swansea and Southampton, if that goes it in West Brom's way, they'll have a chance at least on the last day of the season to get some crazy, as the question calls it, miracle. If, if you're an owner or a chairman, I guess a technical director or someone like that, anyone who has influence on who the next manager is or the next head coach is, you have to look at this West Brom situation and think, hmm, what is it about Darren Moore that he could get something out of these players that this established, I'm trying to think of a nice way to put the kind of legacy of Alan Pardew. Um, and I can't really think of one. So what what is it that, <laughs> that Darren Moore has that Alan Pardew couldn't get under this team? Is it more just a change and that's all that was needed there? Or is Alan Pardew so bad that, in, that anybody comes in? And West Brom look good? Or is it something specifically that Darren Moore has that we should look and see if our club could use that? And that's what the Rooney Rule is. It's just giving black people, or I shouldn't even say black people, the Rooney Rule is giving people of color just the opportunity to interview mm. and just say, look, this is what I think about football. This is what I think I can do for your club. And thank you for actually talking to me rather than just looking through your traditional Rolodex of, no, Alan Pardew, Tony Pulis, Sam Allardyce. Confused that um, oh no, this is just like you know, it's just it's just, it's just pandering, man. So just giving, even if a guy doesn't deserve the job, you're just giving it to them because they're black. No, that's because you don't have a brain. So buy one from the local shop. It's, it's, it's I said, it's just the opportunity. That's what it is. It's just you're giving opportunities to people who, in normal circumstances, because of the racial dynamics of football and how it works. It wouldn't be given those opportunities in, in, in the first Do you know what happens, though? People hear the word opportunity, and they think opportunity to manage. Not yeah. quite. The opportunity of the Rooney Rule is to get an interview. Mm. That's it. And and in some cases, this can be the, the Rooney Rule can be abused in that, let, let, let's say Tony Pulis is, is, is on the market, right? And let's say Stoke are going down, and they want to hire Tony Pulis back. So Stoke know they have to interview 
a manager of color before the Tony Pulis hire is allowed. So basically, they would go to Darren Moore and say, hey, come do an interview with us. But in the back of their mind, they know there's no way that he's going to get the job because it's going to go to Tony Pulis. So, mm-hmm. so the rule can be abused in that way because it's just a, a requirement. It's a sham interview in that in that sense. However, if Darren Moore goes into that Stoke interview, even though Tony Pulis is going to get the job and performs well, and he even get, he gets the attention of people in, in that boardroom who say, hey, this guy does have something. I know we're going to go with Pulis. But this guy has something. What you do is you establish a reputation in those different circles that black people or people of color generally aren't in. So the Stoke director could be talking with the director of Accrington Stanley or whomever and be like, yo, we had a good interview with this Darren Moore guy. You might want to check him out. So then next time the Rooney rule comes again, or Accrington Stanley need a manager. Like, look, we're actually legitimately interviewing Darren Moore this time because of the word that got put in when he did in his Stoke interview that I'm making up for this scenario. So -hmm. the whole point is getting people of color in positions to where they can actually represent themselves as worthy candidates for the job. It's not throwing black people in jobs just for the sake of, hey, we want to put a black guy in charge. It's no, you have to put in your work, which I think is a thing that black people or people of color, as I should say, need to do better at, you know, I, I think a lot of people just think, yeah, there's no point. <laughs> I was thinking of Kanye for a second, but you know, <laughs> no, 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 don't, don't believe me. Don't you know, I, I, I think a lot of, a lot of people kind of internalize this kind of, man, like there's no opportunity. They're, they're never going to hire someone like me. So why even try being a manager? You know, we kind of have to get out of that mentality and think like, look, like we have to make them see us if they're not going to see us. And this Rooney will actually helps in that way. So I definitely feel like what he's doing at West Brom, if it doesn't get him the job at West Brom, which it should, it's going to get him a look in somewhere. And all he has to do is impress in that interview or just say, look, see what I did with West Brom? Let me do that for a whole season. Football, but for me, I think um, there's just still a very long way to go in football. Like there is definitely a plantation feel mm. about football, you know, as in, yeah, I mean, definitely. Like, I remember there, there was a study that I think twenty-five to thirty percent of the the playing force in England is, you know, of black or is black or an ethnic minority. Hmm. Of, I think there's ninety-six managerial positions in the in the football league and the Premier League, and I feel like there's not including Darren Moore. There might be like at most four or five, which is roughly. Two percent because of that, I think you've got Chris Powell, Chris Hewton. Is Somewhere. it Hasselbank or I think Hasselbank was sacked? Okay, but was there's, sacked. There's, there's generally like four or five pushing six, right? Hmm. Out of a hundred. So you have at best five percent of the managers are of black or ethnic minority backgrounds, right? Um, I mean, minority I mean, ethnic background, right? So. But and then people like racist people will I can say this, we'll, we'll look at those numbers and say, well, black people in the UK are only 3% of the population, so therefore you guys are outperforming what you're supposed to be doing. Whereas you would actually say, no, look at the pitch and see how many black people are represented or people of color are represented in the game of football as players. And why doesn't that workforce translate up? How do we see 25% people of color as players but then once we get into management, once we get into technical directors, once we get into owners, those, that 25% gets chipped and chipped and chipped and chipped away to where it's basically nothing. How does that work if, you know, football's meant to be, it's it's deep in terms of like meritocracies and what people deserve and, you know, just getting the opportunity. But this is just a case of the Rooney rule is just there to break or at least to help people of color just get a foot in the door, get a toe mm-hmm. in the door. No, 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 yeah, don't look for me. I... Carl, Carl's going to text us like, can't believe you guys spent 20 minutes on the Rudy rule. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 look, look, man. Like, Carlos needs to relax. Because I think I think I remember watching a, a documentary where they were interviewing this one dude. And I think he was saying that, like, look, look, man, I think basically Black Store, they don't really have the mental ability to manage. And I think for a lot of guys, that is the con- the conception. Like, no, look, let them play. As far as management, no, 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 that's a more mental side of that that they're not really into. So let them just play, run fast, be really strong. But as far as this whole management thing, now this is a more technical thing. And it's like, wow. I just think that's... that That plays into that old mentality of black people are good enough to carry 
get around and they're good mm. enough to do work and run, but like give them some mental shit to do and they'll fuck up. But I just think like, look, it's like and, and again, it's a cultural thing. The amounts of players who have retired and are not even considering going into management because like, look, man, There's... I'm never gonna even get anywhere near having a post there. So it's like Forget the guys who are even thinking of doing it. The guys who are not even thinking of doing it because of culture and society and how society has built it and what society tells you what you what you can or, or can do mm. is 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 a much deeper problem. But I think that starts off like what five managers over ninety six are non non whites. That's that's, that's crazy. Man. It it even goes to like you're blessed to have like a twenty year career or something like that, and you see how the system works. There's no way you can't. You know, you, you see how the owner relates with the the coach and how the coach relates with the technical director and how they're all kind of chummy and this and that. It might even make you like, look, there's no way I want to do that when I'm retired. I don't want to hang out with these people and do X, Y, Z for them and be treated like this and that, especially because I'm, you know, a person of color. So they're going to treat me even worse like that. You might that might even play into your mind. But I feel like we need things like the Rooney Rule to break that system or just to break that thought and be like, look. I really love football. I would love to do football management because you also have to consider many times a lot of these footballers, they've been playing football since they're six or seven or eight. And, mm. you know, they've been told you're going to be great. You're going to make hundreds of thousands. It's going to be this. It's going to be that. They do that. But then once they don't play football anymore, what do you do? Your education wasn't studying algebra or studying calculus or reading about botany or anything like that. Your education from eight to 35 hopefully, if, if you're blessed to do it, is I studied football. This is what I know. Like, I didn't go to college of Oxford or Cambridge or Harvard or Duke. I went to the University of Arsenal. I went to the University of Chelsea. I went to the University of Real Madrid. And what do I do with that education? You can't really go to a job as, as such. Like, your work, ideally, would like to be in football, right? You could be an ambassador. You could be a coach. You could be whatever you want to be, right? If you want to be a coach and the avenues aren't there for you to do it, it discourages you from even trying it in the first place, which I think is a shame. Next next topic, unless you have anything else. No, my, 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 my. That was a good chat. That felt like, uh, you, you, you know, when first take... When, when, when Stephen A is like, no, 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 I'm not finished. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about this. <laughs> it felt like that. It felt like that. The weed. Yeah, he has a point. I just think it's respectability politics. Someone asked us a question. Uh, would Madrid have beaten Barcelona if Cristiano didn't get injured in the game? I'm guessing you might know who asked that. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. <laughs> man, this is these 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 um these um Christina stands, man. Jesus, <laughs> um, I'm surprised. I'm surprised he even watches your your um uh, your channel. And I think I have that for for some people that I watch on, on on YouTube. There's some people who you despise some of the views they have, but what makes it even sweeter is when they are wrong, mm. and you can watch them when they are wrong. But also, there's the, there's a weird attraction to seeing them insult what you really like, really, really really like. Is that for instance, there's this guy on YouTube called John Campia, like really really good like movie commentator, and I hate Star Wars, and he loves Star Wars, and there's just something that that just pulls me in whenever he talks about Star Wars, and I'm like, my gosh, you're making such crap, um, opinions about something that we that is finished. It's it's Star Wars is just flipping crap. But there's just something that just attracts me to me to him hating. So whenever like Styles like does really badly or says crap, I just love to see him try and walk his way around, seeing that it does, it does not not feel so. It's, it's that kind of weird attraction. That's why a lot of guys who love Cristiano are my are subscribed to my flipping channel, and they keep on insulting me. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's it's amazing. So, but yeah, um, so he did get injured. Um... Hopefully he doesn't make the Champions League final. I can't have him winning another. No, 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 no. We need Cristiano because Liverpool. Could you imagine Liverpool fans if they actually won the Champions League? Do you imagine? Can you imagine Henderson lifting up a trophy? Lovren lifting the trophy. <laughs> Oxley Chamberlain in like a in a cast lifting the Champions League trophy. Come on. All right, so basically, Barcelona started off a lot brighter, very attacking. They, nom- they nominated the game, then the cannibal. Scores the opening goal, then Real get themselves back in, in, in into the game. Marcelo, nice little chips pass, and I believe it was to Benzema who headed it 
towards into goal. And I think it was, I don't know who got the last touch. It was, it was either Christina or Piki who got the last touch. Then um, the things started to get really crazy when Ramos and the Cannibal really faced up against each other because the Cannibal thought that Ramos had, in, had like tried, 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 tried to kick him. Then a few minutes, it, I think the Cannibal then gets a yellow card. Literally a few seconds after, Messi tries to basically break Roma's, um, Ramos's foot. Messi gets a yellow card. Then from then on, it's very heated. You, you can already feel like both, both of these guys are starting to hate each other. Towards the end of the first half, Marcelo maybe does a little kick towards Sergio Roberto. Then Sergio Roberto re re reacts and waves, waves his hand over to Marcelo's face. Referee then sends him off. Barcelona down to 10 men. Second half, Barcelona actually sort of figure out how to play with 10 men. So they, they defend well and they break well. And before the second goal, you can clearly see that the Cannibal actually kicks Varane. Varane falls over. Referee doesn't give the foul. Cannibal gives the ball to Messi. Messi bloody faints, faints, hesitates, and scores an absolutely amazing goal. Then Asensio, no look pass to um, Bill. Bill. First time Bill puts it inside. And it's and it then finishes to all. This is at the end end of the game. The Barcelona staff pretty much give Barcelona a guard of honor, which was very awkward and, and weird. So why so why do you have issues with guards of honor? Um because losing <laughs> stocks and and I'm not a good sportsman. I'm 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 not a, a good loser. I think it's kinda cool, the guard of honor deal. Oh no no no! I would I mean I would never agree to a, a, a guard of honor. Me doing a guard of honor for another team, no way. No, I I want to beat you next season. Wait a minute. Would wouldn't you want a guard of honor though? Like if, if you beat this team and then they have to stand in a line and uh, clap no, you no, out? No, 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 not necessarily. Like for me, I'm already happy in the fact that I beat you, and the fact that you're giving me a guard of honor means that you're you're losers. I want you to be angry and pissed off, and want to try and beat me again next season. Okay, so is this a disappointing season for Barcelona? Because it kind of feels like it, even though they're going to go unbeaten. I mean, and, and, I, I, and, I, and I think generally that's because we don't. Unless you're a Barcelona fan or a Real Madrid fan or maybe an Atletico fan every once in a blue moon, do you really care about the La Liga title? Does that really mean that much? Basically, if they go unbeaten, it's a successful season. You can't flip and win the Champions League every season unless you're Real Madrid. You can't <laughs> win the treble every season. Come on. Okay, a treble is a very rare feat. So, so the fact that you you win the, the double and could potentially go, if you win the double and go unbeaten, that's a very successful season. You know what it was? Valverde didn't come in with fanfare. He wasn't a big name. So mm. Barcelona fans were already kind of, who is this guy? Why should we back him? Uh, like, let's hope he loses or something. I've, I've read this. Like, I, I hope he loses a couple games that we, we can get him out and get in like a better manager. But he just hasn't lost. So you can't really complain about a guy who hasn't lost, can you? For Barcelona, I really want Barcelona fans to please suck him because I'm sorry. Do you know how stupid that is? Like, you can't win the Champions League every season. I'm sorry, you you can't. That, that's actually how it works unless you're Real Madrid. No team has ever gone through the La, La Liga season unbeaten. I think the last time was in the 30s or something. <laughs> like when when dinosaurs used to hang out in this in the streets. So <laughs> the fact is that it has been a long bloody time since anybody has gone unbeaten in the La, La Liga. So this is an, a, a, a historic thing that they will do. Shout out, shout out Barcelona. Gonna go invincible. That might be a little running theme. Speaking of like Arsene Wenger was an invincible, Barcelona invincible, Juventus seem invincible. I mean, and not in the sense that they're not going to lose a game this season, but it was all good just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, Koulibaly scores. Uh, oh, oh, oh my god! Oh. <laughs> well, well, we're really going to do this. I mean, look, <laughs> I, I think it's, I think it's humorous. No, I think people owe me an apology. One from the moment Napoli won the game against Juventus, I said. No, Juventus are still winning the Syria. Everybody hated on me. Everybody said blah blah. I said no. They didn't want to hear that opinion because people are sick of Juventus winning, and the football that Napoli played in people's minds is worthy of winning something. Nah, so, nah, nah, sorry, nah, nah, ball. Nah, nah, nah. That's a loser's mentality. I, I hate that mentality. Oh, they deserve to win the Premier I, I don't like no. the word deserve. I don't like the word deserve. I mean. It's it's an annoying word. Like very annoying. If, if you deserve anything, you deserve what you get, right? You don't deserve it because of my feelings or whatever the case may be. Like you get what you get. However, you have to admit that there is something. I don't want to say hipsterish, but there is something endearing about the way that Napoli play their football. 
and people would like to see that rewarded with a trophy, kind of the same way that a lot of Premier League fans, or maybe not Premier League fans, but football fans who watch England might say, like, Tottenham played well last season, so maybe they deserved the title over Chelsea in the sense that they played the game, in air quotes, the right way. However, Napoli had their chance, losing 3-0 Fiorentina, drawing now with Torino, while Juventus pull results out of there. They just keep getting results. I mean, what can you do with this team? I mean, you know what? Actually, to bring this full circle, how do you feel about Allegri? I don't know if he's tired. I think he's tired of winning, perhaps, maybe, possibly. And it looks like maybe he's odds-on favorite or one of the favorites to get the Arsenal position. Like, it's, yeah, him, yeah. it's, um, it's him, Enrique, and a couple others. But Enrique. I mean, like, <laughs> wow. People, I mean, people we don't really like ask, Enrique ask, on this podcast. Stupid, I think I've decided, like, that's a, is that an official talking tactics position? Luis Enrique is a brick? Is that an official position no, 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 that we can take? Yeah, he's, he's a brick. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't give him any credit for that trouble. The players won that trouble, not on him. I mean, he had the best front three in the history of football, so. Yeah. How, how often do you get the best player from Brazil, the best player from Uruguay, and the best player from Argentina in the same team? Yeah, I mean, come on. Give me a break. And you get credit <laughs> with Iniesta, I'm, I'm, with I'm, Busquets, with Umtiti, if with, no, but, with, even with uh, one, one side. But that's one side. Like, Argentina and Brazil have produced, like, the best players that we've ever seen. So in one team, you have the two best players in Argentina and Brazil. Even that in itself, it just like, and it just puts Cannibal on top of that. Give me, come on, man. And, and literally, the, the tactic was hit the ball to the front three. That was the tactic. <laughs> just hit it straight to the front three, and there was... Ah, and, do you know what, do you know what though? I, I, I don't want to talk too much about Enrique before Chelsea hire a new manager, because there is a, there is a, a, a universe where in which Chelsea hire Luis Enrique... Because they're the only one who can afford his insane wages that he wants. So I don't want to talk too much about Enrique Wait, and get like the, the football gods. So, 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 so because you stole a treble, you're now worth three three billion. <laughs> he did it. He, he, mean, he did something. The, like, you know, the, he made subs. The, no, no, get the, get the hell out of here. Get the he, hell out of here. He, he you know made what? subs. He picked the lineup. No, 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 no. Get the hell out of here. I, I said, no. How are we living in a world where I now have to respect like Luis Enrique? <laughs> like, like guys, and I say, oh, no, he you know, did Luis things. Enrique, you know, he's he one did of the things. He, he that picked the lineup. Like, he made substitutions. He picked the Lucasade flavors. He, uh, no, 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 get him out, get him out of it. Look, Allegri, it's, um, he wore cool suits. Like, you know, no, 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 okay, let's, okay, let's, let's, let's be real right now. Allegri, Arsenal, if you want to change your dynamic, fair enough. I just thought that Arsenal wanted to still be the attacking Arsenal. But if you want to now be defensive, a lot more tactical and win games and focus on results, okay. But let's but let me be very clear though. Allegri almost relegated AC, AC Milan. Maybe I exaggerate, <laughs> but when Ibrahimovic left, AC Milan were horrible. And I think he actually began with the downward spiral of the of AC Milan when Ibrahimovic left when he was there. So Allegri with this. You can't put that on team. Allegri when you know who their owner was. Oh, yeah, true. No, 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 but, but still, Allegri, <laughs> Allegri with this Arsenal team are not going anywhere because he needs defenders, he needs midfielders, he needs men. He needs, he needs, he needs top. Team. Yeah. Allegri can't do anything with Koscielny, Mustafi, and Bellerin. I mean, those guys are bricks. R.I.P. Koscielny. Like, I, I think that Achilles is that is probably him done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what I say. That, 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 that's his career done. Maybe, maybe. I mean, I mean, you know, it, it was painful to watch him the way that he went down. Man. Yeah, man, because he's injured his Achilles before. Hmm. I think he was like, one, this is bad. I'm not going to go to the World Cup. And three, this is going to be a hell of a recovery for me to get back. And all that floods in your brain and like one yeah. go. It was sad to watch. It was sad to watch. All right, let's 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 run through these questions kind of quick, and then we can get out of here. This season, all the top leagues were decided in December. Do you think it's going to be any different next year? Um, no, no. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think I think we will get a new Champions League winner, assuming Real Madrid beat uh, Liverpool <laughs> sure in the final. <laughs> four times? No, four times? No, have hope if they if they win four times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, but, but, but look, man, Liverpool have a chance. They do they have a chance. Next question. Um, have you ever seen a referee decision as bad as the throw-in in the Cardiff Reading match from Bordeaux? <laughs> have you seen this? Amazing. Amazing. 
No, but, but you know what? I, I wouldn't even call it a bad decision. I'll just, I'll just say it's just hilarious. That, 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 it's that's funny. Hilarious. It's no, no, funny. Man. No, no, no. The worst decision of all time is um, World Cup 2006 when the dude gave a guy two, two yellow cards. It was Croatia against someone. It was either Croatia or Australia, maybe Croatia, Italy. It was a group game. Mm-hmm. It was it was Croatia we were playing, and it was a Croatian guy that was given this, and it was an an English referee. referee. And and I think, you know what? I think it was Graham Paul. Graham Paul, yeah. So basically, I think if you look at if you just look up Graham Paul two yellow cards or or, or something, or Graham Paul the yellow cards, I think yeah, it was. I don't was remember Graham that. Paul. I don't. Know. I was fifteen at the time, so maybe I'm yeah. I can be excused by young age. But uh, yeah, that was that, that was funny. Uh, the throw in in the shade. It's, you know, if he did that on purpose, that's super clever. But maybe he just thought like dark green. I'll just go back to the dark and throw it in. Yes. And you know, it's weird. Nobody reacted. Nobody on the field was like, "Wait a minute, did I just see it?" They just kept. No, 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 but, but, but I think it's it's so weird that you'll see it, but it just wouldn't even register with, with you. You know, it it took me two watches to fully grasp. Both Zidane and Pep said winning the domestic league is harder than winning the Champions League. What are your thoughts on that? Um. No, 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 bullshit. You, you've spent four hundred million. You should, you should beat Stoke. You should beat Swansea. You should beat all these riffraff teams. Give me a break. No, I, I, I think the day in day out nature of winning your league is more fulfilling than winning the Champions League. But which one is harder? Is winning the Champions League to knock out competition? There's away goals. There's, you know, you're playing the best teams in Europe. I think that's a more difficult – it's a higher degree of difficulty to win the Champions League than it is to win your league. However, your league is your – it shows that you are the best team in your country because you play every team home and away, week in, week out, through injuries, through you know bad weather, whether it be form goes up and down, like you're competing against other teams that are generally on your level, except for this season, of course. Um, <laughs> You know, I, I think that's a more fulfilling trophy to lift, probably. I would think as a manager. However, I, I, was it was it Mourinho who said like when I won Champions League, Champions League was more important. When I when I won the league, the league was more important than Champions League. When I didn't win any trophy, winning trophies isn't important. You know, <laughs> uh, it's, it's it's one of those things where the the most important trophy is the last one you won. And the hardest one to win is probably the, the last one you want as well. But last question from the Gowan 6-9. If Chelsea get lucky enough to t- to get top four and win an FA Cup, does that make this a season a success and one where Conte deserves to keep his job? Top four? No, no, no. In no. an FA Cup? No, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. The answer is is is, is no. There's no, there's no explanation. First start off with no. Then you break it down. I'm not half hope. Like, you start with no. And then work. I work and then get to my answer. Okay. We're different in that way. It's successful in the sense, like if you take it from like January, February, like, oh, like I didn't expect in January, February, we were going to be in top four and win the FA Cup. That That's successful. But if you take it from your league champions and you're barely going to get top four and you need a miracle, speaking of miracles from West Brom, like Chelsea need a miracle. You know, it's not successful because I wouldn't. I wasn't thinking at the beginning of the season like, "Yo, Chelsea, we're going to be fifth with like two games left, and now we have to win and hope Liverpool or Tottenham lose." Like, you know, that's not a successful season. The FA Cup, I don't think it means as much as it used to. Although, no, actually, Chelsea beat Southampton to get into the FA Cup final. Maybe, maybe Manchester United could take a bit more fulfillment out of it, considering they would have had to beat Tottenham in their temporary home ground and then beat the defending champions before Man City won the league. Um, and would that be enough for Conte to keep his job, though, I think is the more interesting part of your question, Gallon. I don't know if Roman Abramovich is really that keen, as Have Hope might say, paying this man 10 million euros just to leave. I don't think anybody really knows what's going on at this point. So it wouldn't surprise me if Chelsea just decided, let's just let this dude finish out his contract and not pay him 10 mil. Severance package. <laughs> Pretty much. I, I think, although otherwise he would have been sacked. You don't lose to Watford and Bournemouth as Chelsea manager back to back. Abramovich is a, he's, he's, no, no, I, I like him. I mean, obviously, I like him because he's rich. But yeah, Bromwich, he's 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 a, he's a, he's a curious cat, man. He's a curious cat. 
like what is I mean what is he thinking right now what's what's going through his mind right now probably about like a divorce or like <laughs> something like that he's probably not, he doesn't think about football he's like yo let me make sure Putin doesn't touch my money let me hide some money here there everywhere he, he billionaire thoughts I couldn't imagine what billionaire thoughts are like we got two things left to do in terms of segments um we haven't talked about this in weeks um but I'm gonna I'm gonna look up the fantasy Premier League and the uh, we're gonna we're gonna see where where we stand in terms of like I think there's one week left in the Talking Tactics Fantasy Premier League. So let's let's look at the table. There's one match week left, and um, Dixon and Thierry, Ara Starks rules and Josh Heap Kings of the North separated by five points. Nobody else can catch them. Dixon, if you're smart, you know what? Actually, I'm not even gonna give you that strategy. I'm I'm, I'm gonna let things play out without my help. So yeah. Um, it's been a, it's been an interesting fantasy Premier League deal. Half hope. Do you have a team in this? I do not. I would only play if I knew how, if I knew how to cheat and win. So. I'm 81st out of 90. It's not good yeah. at all. Where's Carl? 21st out of 90. Anybody who's been on the podcast? Uh, Priya Ramesh is third. Who says women don't know about football? That is. <laughs> she's third Sexist. place. Like, come on, man. Like, out of 90 people. That's Sexist. Not... Sexist. Me too. Me too. Me too. Me too. <laughs> Um, yo, you got anything going on? Um, well, basically, actually, maybe I can give the talking tactics guys a little, maybe a little ex exclusive, you know, because um, this is a podcast that is dear to my heart. Um, every week I'm going to be releasing this series called um, World Cup Memories. It's going to be an episode each week because I think this may go up either until the World Cup starts or or, or maybe so. So basically, six episodes. Starting from the 94 World World Cup. So me just re recollecting 94 World Cup, 98, 2010, 2014. No, sorry, yeah, 2006, 2010, and 2014-2014. So one episode each week where I look back at the memory at the world at that World Cup and the things that stuck in my mind during the, those World Cups. So yeah. That's that's it, All right. Recommended reads. I just remembered you. Um, do we have any? Let's check. Actually, I'm 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 gonna plug. Do we games. read? That's that's that, that's a, a key question. Do <laughs> read? So. You know what? I watched two good documentary films on football. Well, one was an arts film. It's called Sunday Ball on Netflix. It's uh, it's just a, a game in a favela, basically, mm. in Brazil, and it's very artsy. If you're into that kind of stuff, like completely over the top of the way it's shot, but. If you're interested in that and you want to see like what real life is in Brazil in terms of like football, you should watch. It's, it's called Sunday Ball. It's on Netflix. And somebody who helped us do the the Zidane thing, Florent Bodin, he has he did a he did a Benzema documentary with one of his partners. I'm forgetting his name. It's uh, Le Car Benzema, um, and it's about Kareem Benzema. And it's basically, I guess, it's an official documentary that about 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 Benzema. Mm, it's really good, actually. It's very the, well the, done. It's like wait, the, the same guy that plays for Real Madrid. That's Benzema. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you should watch it. You should watch it. It gives a really, really good insight into like Karen Benzema and why he is like he is. The guy that we saw in like the past two seasons at Real Madrid isn't the Kareem Benzema that we that people are used to. Like his first few years at Real Madrid, his time at Lyon, he was incredible. And uh, you know, the kind of people even think like I don't want to ruin the documentary, so I won't go into it that much. But uh, yeah, it's it was it was really really well done. So shout out to to Florent and uh, his partner there. So maybe not a recommended read, but a recommended watch would be Le Cas Benzema. If you don't know French, you might have to read, you know, for a couple of hours. But you know, it's worth it. And uh, something called Sunday Ball. In terms of recommended reads, though, not recommended watches. Um, there's just one from Marca that that Carl has here. And it's about basically Alvaro Morata. They, they did an interview with him. Apparently, he's a father now, or he's going to be. So shout out to Alvaro Morata. But uh, his kind of struggles this season, taking painkillers and adjusting to English football, I'm assuming. so. Missing yeah. one-on-ones. Missing bare chances, the kids say. I don't have any heroes or villains of the week. You know, I guess my hero would be uh, Bakayoko. You didn't embarrass yourself, so good job. Uh, villain. Who's a good villain, have folk? Villain of the week. Um, hmm, let's see. I don't think has anybody done anything particularly villainous. It's. I mean, it was. It was. You know what? Maybe you know what? I'll say Roma, the the um, Roma um, president what for did he do? claiming that the um, referees cost them 
the don't time. lose five. Don't go down five nil to Liverpool. You, you you consider seven goals over two 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 two, two legs. So and now, yeah. guys, I I know the the Champions League and uh, Europa League finals have been decided, but we'll talk about those closer to the dates. Yes, sir. This is the Talking Texas podcast. Remember to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, follow us on SoundCloud. Leave the eyes to reviews. If we're saving your life, let us know. Um, I remember there was one guy that was like, uh, you guys uh, rekindled my love of football or whatever he was saying. Like, um, But yeah, if it's five stars, we'll read it on the show. Remember to share the podcast if you enjoy yes, the podcast. Sir. Use your Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever you use on social media to help us out and get the word out about Talking Tactics. Um, you can follow me at Daniel to look. You can follow Have Hope at Ads have hope hot, but don't follow me in real life or else I'll punch you in the face. On YouTube? I'm just head to half hope football hot dot, 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 dot com. Has all the oh, links. yeah, he has a whole website, half hope yep. football hot dot com. Yeah. You can check out the Brick Academy. You can check out the rankings, the, uh, what is it, like uh, Legend of the Week. Yep. Yeah, man, even Talking Tactics has its own little section. That's not yeah, yeah, that so, so, so yeah. everything you, you need from Half Up, it's all there on the website. Yeah, Carl's at uh, Anchorman 616. Hopefully he'll join us next week. I would like to say what he's up to, but let's not get caught fired. <laughs> That's not making the podcast, bro. <laughs> Talking to this podcast, sometimes funny, sometimes serious. But always football, not soccer. Indeed. Rooney Rule. Stay black. Podcast Network.